Well, I want to welcome you back to our series called Summer with the Shepherd. If you haven't been with us, if you're uh, here for the first time today, we've been looking uh, at the 23rd Psalm, which is one of the most famous Psalms in the Bible, and looking at just the richness that's there as David unpacks this idea that God is our shepherd. Uh, The first two weeks in this series, the first week we talked about the fact that the Lord is my shepherd. Doesn't it blow your mind to think about the fact that this monumental God wants to be a personal friend to you? I mean, that just staggers me. But that's what we talked about, that the Lord is my shepherd, not just ours as a church, but he's there for me. Uh, Last week, we talked about the fact that we shall have no needs, uh, that God meets us at our point of need. He can meet the deepest needs in our life, and you know what? He can meet those impossible needs in our life. We can go to him. Today, I I just thought this was so appropriate uh, for where we are in the summer and all that I see so many people going through. Today, we want to talk about God's ability to restore our soul. I want you to look at passage of scripture, Psalm 23, verses two and three. If you want to take your sermon outline out, you can join us that way. If you want to watch it on the screen, we'll throw it up there for you. I want you to read this verse of scripture, these two verses of scripture out loud with me, would you? He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. How many of you would say, that verse really appeals to me right now and where I'm at? Yeah, when I was, when I was laying this series out and I, I, I camped on that, those, those two verses, I, these three words came to me, and I want you to say them out loud after I say them. Restored. Refreshed. Recharged. Could you use being restored? Could you use being refreshed today? Uh, are you at a place where you'd say, boy, Pastor Steve, I really, I really need to be recharged? Um, I don't know about you, but you know, it, we're in these dog days of summer and we're having you know, like record heat right now here in, in Oklahoma City. And, uh, you know, it's usually warm here in the summer, but man, we had, I mean, we went like, what, three, almost four years without a day over 100 degrees, and now we're getting them all for the next decade or so. And, uh, you know, it's just in these dog days of summer, and just, how many of you, it's just sapping the life out of you? You, you know, it's just, it's just so hot. Well, sometimes you got to get a little bit of perspective. It could be worse. You could live in Phoenix. How bad is it in Phoenix? Throw that up on the screen. Look at it. It was 1,053 in Phoenix. <laughs> Anybody here ever lived in Phoenix? Anybody? Yeah, I lived there for 14 years. Yeah, yeah, that's not far off, actually, 1,053. I, I thought that was so hilarious when I saw that slide. You know, it, it was so funny is those of you in Phoenix, you'll get this. People from Phoenix, you know what they would say? Well, it's a dry 1,053. <laughs> It's a dry heat. It's a dry 1,053. Well, I, I, I laugh. We actually had a couple visiting from Phoenix in the first service, and they're going, I think that's accurate, actually. I, th- I think that's right on. But, you know, it's just life has a way of doing this. Not just the heat, but just life has a way of just sucking the life out of you. Things happen. You walk through all of this stuff, and it, and it feels sometimes like you're walking through this desert, and you're just being drained. And I, I keep going back to that. We have this shepherd that David says he wants, to, he wants to restore us. He wants to refresh us. He wants to renew us. Well, what keeps that from happening? Um, I've been reading several different resources uh, as I'm going through this psalm and just looking at fresh ideas about it. And one of the, one of the old books 
uh, that I'd read years ago that I'm reading again that I absolutely love is Philip Keller's book called uh, A Shepherd Looks at the 23rd Psalm. How many of you have ever, ever read that book? I recommend it. It's, it's a short book. It's not a long book, but it is rich with just some great thoughts about Psalm 23. And this week, as, as I was reading and I was reflecting, Philip Keller talked about this idea of being restored. And he, he, he gave me something that I'd never seen before. He said, I wonder why it is that if God really is our shepherd, why aren't we restored? Why aren't we resting in who God is? And he said in, in his book, I put them here on your, on your outline, he said there are four things that will, that will keep a sheep uh, from, from resting. Uh, the first is, uh, is a fear of predators. Uh, you know, share, sheep are not you know, able to protect themselves. And he said, you know, if, if, if sheep sense a coyote around or, or anything that they even interpret as a threat, uh, they won't lay down and rest. You know, they'll, they'll be anxious you know, all the time. Um, he said, secondly, and I never thought about this before, he said, pests are one of the things that really keep sheep from resting. He said, you know, sheep are, are, are notorious for uh, drawing flies and ticks. And he just talked about how, you know, they'll get, they get these pests on them. And he said, and sheep, if they get really thick with them, they'll run off into the bush, uh, trying to shake them off and trying to scratch them off. And he said, if they're, if they're covered with pests, they, they won't be able to lie down and rest. Here was one that just, I blew me away, friction with other sheep. I, I never knew. Did you know that sheep don't get along? I had no idea. This had never showed up on my radar screen. Never thought of this idea that sheep, now being a pastor with a lot of sheep, you think I, sh I should understand this, you know, but, but they don't. And he was talking about how sometimes bigger sheep will pick on little sheep and older sheep will pick on younger sheep and all of this. And he said, you know, whenever there's friction going on, he said, sheep, sheep just can't relax. And then the last one, which makes a lot of sense, he said, when sheep are hungry, he said, when sheep get hungry, he said, instead of resting, he said, especially if the shepherd has them in a place where there really isn't a lot of foliage, he said, sheep won't, you know, they won't, they won't lay down and rest. They'll, they'll keep looking for food because they're afraid that they're not, not going to be able to eat. And as I was reading through that, I thought, oh my gosh, these things are so true for us. These are the very things that keep our souls from resting. And I promise you, for a lot of us in this room, if you're trying to answer the question, why am I not just resting with God? Why, why am I not at peace in my heart? What, what has stolen the joy out of my life? I promise you, it's going to be one of these. Look at the passage of Scripture from Jesus, Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Would you read this out loud with me? Then Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Now, here's what I want you to do with me today. This, this is the invitation of Jesus. Come to me. Every single one of you who are weary, heavy with burdens that you're carrying, I want to give you rest. What is it that you need to give to him today that will allow you to rest? Can we walk through that? Here we go. Here's the first one. Go back to the fears. Comfort your fears with God's presence. Comfort your fears with God's presence. Isn't it a fact that when we become afraid, the more we focus on our fear, the bigger those fears become? You say, well, Pastor Steve, how do we, 
How do I deal with those fears? Oh, you, you've got to bring them in the presence of a monumental God. We forget sometimes how big God is. You remember the story of Jesus and his disciples when they were on the boat and they were heading across the lake and the storm comes up? You know, remember that in Mark 4? And the storm comes up and the, and the waves start rocking the boat and the, the wind starts howling and, 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 you know, the waves are coming over the side. Do you remember what, where Jesus was during that storm? Yeah, he was down, he was down, he was under a cushion, he was asleep. And the disciples are freaking out. You know, they're just going, and they wake him up and he goes, Lord, what are we gonna do? Don't you care, we're gonna drown, you know? And do you remember what Jesus said? He gets up and he goes, why are you so afraid? And he speaks to the wind and he speaks to the waves and everything goes quiet. Now, here's what I want you to get. I, I know some of you have some fears that are going on. And I know some of those fears are stealing the joy right out of your life. Here's what you got to do. You got to remember who's on the boat with you. And you need to lean into him. And you need to allow that presence of God to comfort you. I love the passage of Scripture in Psalm 56.3. Read it with me, church. When I am afraid, I put my trust in you. That ought to be a little verse that you memorize and hold close. When I am afraid, I put my trust in you. Listen to the word of the Lord from Deuteronomy 31.8. He says, do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord will personally go ahead of you. Read it with me, church. He will be with you. He will neither fail you nor abandon you. Let that breathe into you today. I, I was, was, when I was writing this, I, my mind went back, I, a story I heard years ago that I, I laughed at. Uh, it was a story of a, of a teacher interviewing her first grade class, talking to them about, so what do you want to be when you grow up? And as she was interviewing these first graders in the class, each one was kind of getting up and, you know, and kind of a typical thing. One kid got up, so I want to be a policeman. Another kid got up, I want to be a firefighter. Another one got up, I want to be a nurse or I want to be a doctor. And they were going through all of these things. One little, one little first grader stands up and the teacher says, so what do you want to be? He goes, I want to be a lion tamer. And the teacher's like, What? You want to be a lion tamer? She said, yeah, I want, to, I want to get in that, the arena with that lion. I want to use that stool, and I want to that, crack that whip. And he goes, I want, to, I want to be a lion tamer. And the teacher goes, yeah, it, 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 don't you think that's a little scary for you as a first grader to be in an arena with a lion all by yourself? And the little boy looks at her and goes, oh, well, my father will be with me. <laughs> Great point. I, I don't know what lions you're facing, don't know what's causing you fear, but you gotta get this. Your father is with you. He will never fail you and he will never abandon you. And can I tell you this? He's bigger than whatever lion you're dealing with. Amen? Here's a second thought that come back to, to Philip Keller's thought, and that is don't let the little irritations drain you. Don't let the little irritations drain you. Isn't it funny how little things can become such pests in our life? When I, when I read what Philip Keller said about sheep, I'm going, oh my Lord, we are so that way. I mean, you think about some of the things that have kept you up, some of the things that have stolen sleep from you, some of the things that have, have caused you to worry, and when you really look at them, you know what? They're not that big of a deal, but you're letting them drain the life out of you. Um, years ago, 
Wanda and I were here in Oklahoma City before when I was an associate pastor at this church. Um, we lived, uh, we bought a duplex right over here by OCCC, and actually that was when all that development was brand new. Um, it was back in the dark ages, you know, when they were just building, building those duplexes and houses. And we were real excited. It was our first new home, you know, and we, we were moving into this little 800-square-foot duplex. And, and uh, we had a, a little yard out front. That we put a, you know, it was all dirt when we moved there, and we're planting grass and all this kind of stuff. And we had, we had some cats already, but we thought that wasn't enough. We wanted a, a dog, now, we're not pet people anymore for very good reasons, but we, we, we wanted a dog. And so we got a dog. It was actually part dog and part horse. Some of you have these. This dog, it was part shepherd and part lab, and it was like white and 110 pounds. It was, it was a massive thing. Ate more than six people. I mean, it was just, it was just huge. And, uh, but one of the things in moving into this new area was because it hadn't been developed and there hadn't been a lot of, it was, it was all kind of wild land, there were ticks everywhere. And so we were constantly having to dip our dog and, you know, and keep the ticks off of it and, you know, 15 flea collars on it, the whole, you know, all the whole nine yards. Well, why did I went on vacation and we had our, our nephew, one of our nephews who was living with us, who was like 16 at the time maybe, and uh, we, we showed him what he needed to do to take care of our dog while we were gone. And we showed him how to feed it and give him water and all that kind of stuff. And then we showed him where the dip was. And he said, you know, you're going to have to do this about every other day because the ticks are really bad. And you need, to, you need to keep them off of them. So we went on vacation. Didn't think too much about it. We came back. I don't know what we were gone. A week and a half, maybe two weeks. We came back. And uh, when we went out in the backyard, our dog was one of those dogs. When you went out back, he just went crazy. <laughs> you know, kind of thing. And he would be all over you. Well, we went out back. And he didn't even move. And we're like, Schultz, are you okay? And uh, Schultzy, and he was like, he comes dragging over. He's real lethargic and he's really listless. And I said, Wanda, I think his dog is sick. And, and I, I put my hand on him. And you know what? He was covered in ticks. Covered. And uh, so we, we got him up. We took him to the vet. And I'll never forget the vet putting him up on, on the table and pulling his, his lips back like this. And his gums, he, the ticks had drained so much blood out of this dog, his, his gums were literally white. And, and the vet said, man, this dog is close to death. You know, these ticks have just really drained him. So they actually had to give him a blood transfusion and all, all this crazy stuff. And, and uh, you know, we went back and I, I was just ready to strangle my nephews and what did you do well for him it's like it's not you know it's what's the big deal they're just they're just bugs so he had a few insects on him what's the big deal well the big deal is this little things can drain the life out of you and some of you have discovered that and that's why when we think about what do we need when we lean into God, if we're honest, some of us really need to lean into the Lord with some of these little irritations that are draining the life out of us. Look at Philippians 4. I love this from the message from Eugene Peterson's paraphrase. He says, don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, what should you do? Pray. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers, letting God know your concerns. Before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness and everything coming together for good will come and settle you down. Read this last sentence out loud. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. What would happen for you if all of these little irritations and worries, if you could move those out and move Christ in, how lighter would your life 
be. And I started thinking about how does God do that for us? Well, there's a few ways. One is that we can give them to God through prayer. Maybe instead of pacing the floor, we, we ought to take these worries, take these irritations, take these concerns, and simply bring them to God. In the New International Version of Philippians 4, Paul said, you know, don't worry about anything, but pray about everything. And I'm always amazed how backwards we, we get that. Second thing you can do is you can minimize it with perspective. Ask God to give you his eyes to truly see these little irritations for what they are. Come on, it's just us. How many, how many of you would be honest enough to confess in church that there have been things you have gotten upset about that when you look back, you are embarrassed because you know they really weren't that big of a deal? Come on, come on. Oh, some of you are lying. You're not holding your hand up, and I know you have. Yeah. <laughs> we do. And we need perspective. I don't know about you. Have you ever been talking to someone? Have you ever had this situation? This, you'll, you'll identify with this. Where you think your life is bad, you know, and you've had some problems. You've had some financial issues. You've had some health issues. You've had some relationship issues going on. You know, you got, and then you talk to someone whose life is really a mess. I mean, they've got big health issues. They've got big financial issues. They got, and all of a sudden, when you're done talking to them, you're walking away going, you know what? My life isn't so bad. You ever felt like that? Exactly. What is that? That's perspective. God, give me the eyes to see things the way you see them. And, and thirdly, and this will sound funny, but it, it's so true, overcome them, these little issues, irritating issues, overcome them with purposeful action. Overcome them with purposeful action. Some irritation, some things that are draining our, our, our life away are things that we need to take care of that we're avoiding taking care of. I can't tell you how many times I, in, in coaching with pastors, when I'm talking to a pastor about, tell me what's going on, tell me how I can help you, and uh, you know, what, what's really bothering you right now, and they'll start talking about the situation, and it, it's just eating them alive and I'll, and I'll say, have you thought about doing this? Have you thought about having that hard conversation with that person? Or have you thought about addressing it this way? And it's like, no, they've spent so much time trying to figure out how to avoid it that they've never asked the question, God, would you give me the courage to do what I, you know I need to do? Because you've done this. You've had things that have hung over your head. And you know what? When you finally find the courage and strength to do them, you feel a lot better. That's asking God to help you do what you know you need to do. That's the purposeful action. Number three, deal with relationship issues quickly and biblically. Deal with relationship issues quickly and biblically. Again, when, when I was reading Philip Keller talk about how sheep sometimes get at odds with each other, I, I thought about how many conversations I get in with people who have an issue with someone else. Look at me, I love you. But they're talking to everyone else except the person they need to be talking to. And, and when we don't deal with things quickly and we don't deal with them biblically, guess what? We get at odds. You do know that it is as important to God that we do our best to be in right relationships with other people as it is that we are in right relationships with him. You remember, Jesus said this. When he was asked what the greatest commandment was, what does Jesus say? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Remember what he said? And the second is equally important. What's that, church? To love your neighbor as you love yourself. 
And I can't tell you how many conversations I'll have with someone and they're telling me about something that's going on, how they're upset with someone else. And I ask them if they talk to them and they say no. And I said, well, if someone was upset with you, wouldn't you want them to come to you? And they say, well, of course I would. Well, then do unto others what you want others to do unto you. There's no need to carry all of this stuff on inside. Um, some years ago, I was, I was speaking at a, at a camp meeting and one night after, uh, after the service was over, I had a, a guy that I knew from college that came up to me and said, hey, can, can I get with you for a few minutes? And I said, sure. And so we went outside and we sat on a, a picnic table and, and I said, well, what's going on? And he goes, I've got to confess something to you. I said, what's that? He goes, I've been mad at you since college. Now, that was like 20 years before that. And I, you're mad at me? He said, yes. And I said, well, what, what are you mad at me about? He said, well, do you remember in college when, when, you, when you got this position at, at the school? And I said, yeah. He goes, well, he goes, I had applied for that position. And he goes, I, I, we, I was really excited about it. And he said, and then all of a sudden I hear that you got the position. And he goes, I knew, you know, you were, you know, you were kind of a popular athlete and stuff. And I knew that you had used your influence to, to get that position. And, and he goes, I was just, I was really upset that you would do that. And he goes, I've, I've just, that just made me so mad. And he goes, that's been, I've been angry. He said, every time I hear your name, I've just been upset for, for ever since then. And I'm looking at this guy. And, and, and what was funny is I said, you know, that didn't happen the way you think. And he said, what do you mean? I said, I never applied for that job. I, I never, I wasn't really even interested in that. I said, I never put my name in the hat. I never went to the administration and asked for anything. I said, they asked me if I wanted to have that position. I said, I never, I never asked for that. At all. He said, you didn't use your influence. You didn't try to talk to people. I said, no, I didn't even, I didn't even apply for it. He goes, do I been mad at you all this time for nothing? I said, pretty much. Just, just rewind the tape with me. Just stay with me with this. This is huge. 20 years. 20 years, this little splinter in his mind and in his heart over something that wasn't even true. All he would have had to done, rewind the tape 20 years before, all he would have had to done would have been come to me on campus and go, Steve, can I talk to you? He said, I'm, I'm really upset, man. My feelings got hurt because you got this position and, and I just feel like you probably used your influence to get it. And I, I said, you know, I, I could have solved that for him right then. He wouldn't have had to carry that at all. Yeah, I don't, I, I, you guys may be the, the perfect people. You may not have any relationship issues going on. Yeah. And you can't fix all of them. But I'm going to tell you, there's a whole lot of stuff that can be taken care of if you just do the mature biblical thing, and that is go to the person and make it right. Amen? 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 There, okay. I'm trying to get the people that I know need to do this. I'm trying to hear this from them. <laughs> Look at the passage. I'm just, just kidding. Just kidding. Look at Matthew chapter 5 with me for a second. These are the words of Jesus. You don't believe me, believe Jesus, will you? Jesus said, therefore, if, you, if you're offering your gift at the altar and you, there you remember your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there at the altar. Read it with me, church. First go and be reconciled to them and then come and offer your gift. I wonder how many people would stay home from church if they didn't do that. If, if they practice that, if you, if you didn't offer your gift. 
Again, you can't fix everyone. Look at what Paul says in Romans 12, 18. Paul says, read it with me. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Now, I just want you to hear my heart for a second. You can't fix everybody. You can't make everybody like you. You can own what's yours. You can ask for forgiveness for time, ways that you have hurt somebody's feelings or done something wrong. You, you can only do your part, then it's up to them. One day when you stand before God, he is not gonna hold you accountable how they feel towards you. He's gonna hold you accountable for what you did toward them. I love how the NIV says it. Live at peace so long as it depends upon you. And then let it go. Amen. Amen. Let me give you one more. This sounds so simple, but it's so important. Graze daily on God's word. Graze daily on God's word. I started writing a, um, a daily devotional, I think it's been six years ago now. And I started writing that to help you as a congregation to do one thing. And, and that would be to sit down daily with a piece of God's word and just digest it for yourself. Because here's what I know. Most people don't do that. And that is the primary reason that I'm going to tell you that most people's souls are empty. Go with me. Do you remember um, in Luke 4 when Jesus was being tempted by the devil? He had been out in the wilderness for 40 days and the enemy's cunning at him and he's, he's offering these, these different things. You, you remember Jesus doing battle. He was, you know, his body was tired. His, he, was, he was really, you, but you remember though when the, when the enemy would say Jesus would respond to the enemy's temptation with these words every time. You remember what he would say? It is written. Say those words. It is written. Every time the enemy come at Jesus, Jesus would respond saying, it is written. Now, Jesus responded with the word of God. And if Jesus stood up in his times of testing and responded with the word of God, that might be a good model for us. But here's the deal. You can't bring out what you haven't put in. Which is why it's such a simple thing. God has given us his word that we might have strength in our life. It's our daily bread that he has given to us. And doesn't it make sense to you that if you're not eating every day, your body, your soul is gonna grow weak. And sometimes, you know, for, for some of us, we get to these, these places where we're, we're like we're almost paralyzed. You know, we, we, we can't move. We feel hopeless and we feel helpless. And I'm gonna tell you, there's a large portion of that that has to do with us not grazing daily on the word of God. There's a, a passage of scripture uh, from, from Psalms. Throw that up on the screen for me. This is not on your outline. Psalm 42, 11, if you can read that from where you are, read it out loud with me. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Now, some of you probably have read that verse before, but maybe something you don't know is this is actually kind of a reference back to shepherding and sheep. 
the word downcast comes from it's an English uh, phrase that, that actually means to cast down. And, and the idea behind it is sheep uh, sometimes will lay down or they'll, they'll roll over and they get on their backs and they can't get up. And that's what's called a cast down sheep or a cast sheep. Throw that picture up on the screen. And this is what that looks like. They'll, they'll literally get on their backs and because they don't have the agility, they, they can't right themselves. They need the shepherd to, to come and actually turn them over and get to back of feet. Now, you look at this and you go, well, that's kind of pitiful. No, that's dangerous for a couple of reasons. One, if, if, if a predator comes, what are they going to do? They're done. You know, they can't even run away. Well, they're in that helpless, hopeless place and, and the predator can just have their way with them. The other thing that, that I didn't know was that when they're on their backs like that, their, their stomach begins to fill with gas and as it fills with gas, it starts constricting blood flow and they actually start cutting off the blood flow to their extremities. If in certain conditions, if they're only like this for a few hours, they can die. And so part of what the shepherd does is to look for sheep that are cast down and help them get right. And Philip Keller talks about lifting sheep up and actually having to stand with them between his legs and rubbing them to the blood got back into their extremities. And as I thought about that picture, I thought, so often we get like this. We, we feel like we're hopeless before the enemy. We feel like we're helpless in life, and we're not. We're just starving to death. And we need the word of God to encourage us. Throw that passage of scripture up on the screen for me. I love Psalm 119, 28. What's he say? I weep with sorrow. Encourage me. How? By your word. You see, that's when you're in those times and you can deal with the discouragement because God can bring out what you have put in. Amen. Would you indulge me? Um, in your bulletin, there's a, a little card like this. Would you, everybody take that out for me, please? It's a... Pretty little picture of, of the shepherd. We got, we got him up on the screen. But here, here's what I want you to do. And it, it, I want you to just, just do this. Just indulge me. Just go, oh, it's my, my crazy pastor. I'll do it for him. <laughs> on, the, on the back of that card, that white space, I, I want you to take a moment. I, and I want you to just think about what I've just talked through. And I want you to think about what is, what's stealing life from you right now. Is it fear? Things that you're afraid of? Is it irritations? that you haven't taken care of or they're just kind of draining life out of you a little bit at a time? Is, is it relationships that you're at odds with that, you know, that, that, that's kind of stealing that joy and keeping your heart from being at peace? Or, or be honest, is that you really haven't spent that much time in the Word in the last weeks or months? And, and maybe if you were honest, you would say, you know what, I, I think a big part of what's been going on for me is I, I haven't been taking advantage of God's word. I haven't been leaning in and letting the spirit of God feed me. Now, whatever one or more of those work for you, just, just write that on the white space of your card. Stuff you've either struggled with or are struggling with. It doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be past. I mean, it doesn't have to be right now. It can be what, what you've wrestled with in the past. But just take a moment and do this. Everybody there? Now, here's what I want you to do. This is just a, a, a nice little image for you. See See how big and imposing our shepherd is? How great and monumental our God is? 
I want you to look at what happens. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to take that with the white facing you, and I want you to just put whatever you wrote in there. I just, I just want you to hold that up about, oh, maybe five inches from your eyes. And here's what I want you to notice. You notice that our monumental God fades away when you're focused on your fear, when you're absorbed by your irritations, when you're lost in this relational issue or when you're starving. We, we just notice how our shepherd disappears and all you're focused on is that. Now let's do this. Throw that up. Those same things. Here's what I want you to do. Flip your card over. I want you to have the shepherd right there. Put the shepherd up there in front of you. Just notice how all of these things disappear when we draw close to the shepherd. I want you to keep this with you in your Bible, on your desk. I want you to keep it somewhere handy where when these things begin to happen for you, you can pull this out. And instead of focusing on, you know, the fear or the irritations or whatever, you can, you can be reminded there is a shepherd who's willing and able to recharge and refresh and restore your soul. I've asked Chuck to lead us in a, it's an old chorus that some of you will recognize from years ago, but I, I just think it's an appropriate way for us to end and just to come before God. It's an old chorus that says, fill my cup, Lord. Fill it up. Just bow your heads for a second. Close your eyes. Do you need God to restore your soul? Do you need God to breathe into you a fresh breath of life today? This morning, are you willing to lay these things that are separating you from your shepherd and keeping you from resting? Are you willing just to lay them before him? That's our prayer. Oh God, our shepherd, is that you would restore our soul. You know the things, Lord, right now that are, are keeping us awake at night. You know the things that are stealing our peace and stealing our joy. You know the things that we've allowed to just come into our life that has kind of pushed you out and we're absorbed with these things. And today, oh God, we just want to lay them before you. We, we want to be those sheep that nuzzle up close to where the shepherd is standing. To rest peacefully, Lord, at your feet to give you all of our fears, to give you all of our irritations, to give you all of our relationship tension, to, to drink deeply from the cup of your word that you offer to us each and every day. Father, I know that there are, are some folks who they're struggling in their journey. And they've grown weak and they've grown tired. But today, Lord, I pray that you would put your healing hand upon them. And I pray that you would breathe into them a fresh new breath of your Holy Spirit. And I pray that you would fill us up to overflowing. Lord, these things we pray today in the precious name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And everyone said, amen.